0: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome, welcome to another Winning Wednesday edition of Real Talk, Real Solutions. I am Dr. Anana pfeiffer Home. I am the Women and Youth Civility Practitioner, and I am excited today to be sharing another episode of Real Talk real solutions so you know what to do make sure you like comment share i am a i change nation women of dialogue ambassador and i love to talk have dialogue get your questions answered and share a real real talk but real pertinent information that is affecting our community today so listen comment like share let me know you're here let me know where you're chiming in from because tonight's episode, today's episode is gonna be real, real good. (laughs) It's gonna be real, real good. So I'm excited. Uh, And you know what? I I love to bring various guests um, that we can feature and highlight that are doing amazing things around the globe. And tonight I didn't have to go too far. I'm in central Jersey, but I have a sister that's down in, she's not too, probably less than an hour away from me in Philadelphia. She's from Philly, and uh, she's going to be a guest tonight. And I cannot wait to uh, have this discussion, have this conversation. And you know, uh, as the women and youth civility practitioner, we focus on the four C's civility, creativity climate change. Yes. Climate change and community. And tonight we're going to add another C to it. And that C is colorism. Colorism. Have you heard of it? Do you know what that is? Huh? If not get your pen and paper, get your fingers ready cause you are going to learn. And I'm excited that we have this opportunity to learn together and explore. So listen, also, we're talking about creativity because the more you hear about this amazing guest, you're gonna see why. There she is, hello, that's Jamala, my sister. She's chiming in. So you know, as you come into the, to the broadcast, make sure you like, comment, and share. Let us know what your takeaways is. And it's so important to share the broadcast because listen, you never know what someone else is struggling with. And, and I tell you, when we talk about colorism, I know, even for me, as being a brown-skinned girl, growing up right here in New Jersey, I know <laughs> that I experienced, you know, that that level of, uh, I don't know if I can say even harassment. You know, we used to joke, you know, about being dark-skinned, you know, about having a big nose, having, you know, a big head, <laughs> nappy hair, big hips. And even at that time, I don't even know if I want to, you know, say my age, but, you know, back in the 80s, <laughs> you know, this was something that, but nobody knew there wasn't really a term, you know, colorism, right? And, and I'm so excited that I have the opportunity to learn more, to explore more about this. So listen, I'm just giving you some time. Make sure you comment, like, and share, because we are going to get into this tonight. So colorism, it's a dark, most dark-skinned Blacks in the United States, they, those that are darker skin, have lower socioeconomical status. Did you know that? They have more punitive relationships with the criminal justice system, diminished prestige and less likelihood of holding elective office compared to those with lighter skin. This phenomenon of colorism both occurs within the African-American community and it is expressed by outsiders and most Blacks are aware of it. So as we go into that tonight, I have the pleasure of introducing Dr. Karen Moore. She is a classically trained pianist. She uses her gifts to play for choirs and churches in the Philadelphia area. And here's what it is. During even her early adult years, she developed a love for poetry and musical theater. And this ultimately led to combining, you know, with her actual music, poetry, and song, writing into theatrical productions. And she is performing on stages in Philadelphia, New Jersey, Delaware, and in Atlanta. Now in May of 2019, the I am the color of beautiful is a global spoken word initiative and movement that was established by our guests it is a global action focusing on deliverance from the stigma of colorism in communities of color across the globe Karen, through this initiative is on a mission to liberate dark-skinned women y'all hear me from the colorism psyche that by enabling them to write and perform their experiences through spoken word. And the spoken word workshops that she has, they focus on delivering women from the stigma of colorism. So listen, without further ado, I am excited to introduce to some, to present to others, Dr. Karen Moore, my sister from Philly. Here she is, here she is. Dr. Karen Moore, how are you?
1: I'm good, beautiful, how are you?
0: i am excited (laughs) i'm excited to have you uh you know i remember our first i want to say we might have met about two years ago now and you know you just looked as fabulous as you do this evening and you know when you stepped into the room i don't know if you was there before me or after i was like look at that queen over there (laughs) and here we are years later uh sharing doing amazing things together and i'm excited for that
1: so welcome welcome Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here with you.
0: Thank you for being here. So listen, let's get right into it. Of course, as you know, as I shared, uh, the one thing that uh, you know I focus on is really dealing with uh, climate change, civility, creativity, and community. And you tonight, we're going to focus on C's. We're going to go with creativity and colorism. Yeah. So I don't know which one you want to talk to first. I guess we can go right into the creativity. Um, but I want to first know, how did you get uh, involved and how did you have this passion and this love to even uh, you know, tackle this thing called colorism? Where did that begin? Tell us a little bit about about your journey, if you
1: will. Well, it began with I have a, um, I have a spoken word production called Poetic Blues: A Sister Story, and in that production we talk about the blues that Black women face throughout their lives. And we do we do slavery blues, we do brown skin blues, we do menopause blues for all my sisters out there that had to go through that. We did menopause blues. I even do football blues, um, which is you know we have some comedy. And it also, even though we're talking about the blues, we have some comedy too. So we do menopause blues and football blues, which is football blues is kind of like, I take on the fact that my husband loves football and he is like ghost during football season. So I get football blues, but the colorism issue came with brown skin blues. And so many women came up to me after the performances to say that How much it meant to them to hear someone talk about brown skin blues and colorism and so i realized that i needed to take that even further than just that simple part of the production the brown skin blues that i needed to take that further with addressing the issue of colorism because there is so much hurt and trauma that women of color in particularly dark-skinned women of color have had to deal with throughout their lives. And so many of them have dealt with it for decades. And it comes to a point where we've gotta be able to address it. We've gotta be able to begin to let dark-skinned women know and understand about their beauty because for so long we have been told that we're not beautiful, that we're not worthy, that we're not intelligent, that were not valuable and that has to that has to change. And so that that's where the whole colorism issue came up for me and addressing it through I am the color of beautiful. Wow.
0: I am the color of beautiful. Wow. Now 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 I know you have traveled of course with I change nations and you've had the opportunity was it Uganda? You want to tell us about that and how does that experience even uh, transcend globally, internationally? Were you actually in Africa and you're talking about this and in that regard and helping girls to embrace their, their skin tone?
1: Yes, well, you know, the interesting thing with Uganda was, which was it was an amazing trip. It was an absolutely amazing trip. It was an amazing experience for me. And one of the real highlights was going to the kingdom of Toro and actually being in the presence of a reigning African King and the queen mother, which was just to me was just, I still have trouble really explaining that. And I'm a word person. So, you know, I'm still trying to really get the right words to explain that experience. But I did actually had an opportunity to perform Brown Skin Blues in Uganda, which was amazing. And it was so well received. It was so well received. One of the things that I did learn though being in Uganda is that they specifically refer to themselves as black. They don't call themselves brown, they call themselves black. So that was interesting to me, to um, to actually get that kind of understanding about how they see themselves, but it was so well received and the women in particular really, really, really embraced it and enjoyed it, which I was so glad to see because one of the issues that is taking place in Africa is skin lightening, skin bleaching. Yes. Because they're not feeling that their brown, that their black skin is beautiful. So there's a lot of colorism goes beyond the black community as an African American in this country. Mm-hmm. It goes to India. It's in India. Skin bleaching is happening in India. It's happening in Jamaica. Yeah. It's happening in Africa and so there's this whole idea that dark skin is ugly, it's not not valuable, not worthy and that it needs that it has to be changed. Mm-hmm. So women are going to extensive lengths to lighten their skin.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. It's like what does that even really mean? I mean, you know, so it, when we talk about light skin, I mean, I, and this is why I even All of this is so systemic and it goes back to our history, you know, like, so being closer to white, the lighter, the skin, right. The more, you know, the more beautiful you will appear, the more accepted that you are. Um, and, and, and then again, we don't really talk about it, you know, but we know that this is really happening and I think skin lightening is like, you know, one of the top beauty products being sold around the world, as you said. So, the statistics, the numbers are real. So I don't know why we're not talking about it, but that's why we're here tonight. <laughs> um, so yeah, let, let, let's let absolutely talk about that.
1: I think we don't want to admit that it still exists. And it's, you know, um, Lupita Nyong'o calls colorism the daughter of racism. Mm. And I think just as many times, we don't want to really talk about racism. I think we've gotten to a point now because of the things that are happening in this country we are being forced to really address this issue of racism, yeah. and so I think also we're going to be forced to address the issue of colorism mm-hmm. because it it is it, it does exist and it is mentally, emotionally, and psychologically damaging yes. to women and girls who are dark skin. and so. It's not only a mental health issue, it's also a public health issue because it is affecting the health of dark skinned women and girls.
0: Wow, wait, wait, wait. So so the color of my skin, the shade of my skin affects my health. You got to talk about that. How how is that? In
1: what way? It affects your health in that many women and girls of dark skin have very low self-esteem, a mental health issue. And one of the things that happen when you have low self-esteem and you're dealing with emotional and mental issues, it leads to overeating. It leads to, many times, it leads to drinking. It leads to different ways that you try to appease yourself to make yourself feel better. So you go, sometimes it even, in girls, it has appeared as over sexuality, because you do certain things to be, to make yourself feel like you are desirable. So you put yourself out there in ways that normally you would not if you felt better about yourself. So it, it it's, it's, it's emotionally and mentally affecting our physical health, because we are compensating, overcompensating in other areas. I was a shopper mine was shopping. I felt so much better when I went shopping. So, you know, and that of course affects your financial health. So there's so many different ways that colorism is affecting our health because when we're overeating, of course, you know, we are, we're we're dealing with heart issues and diabetes issues and different other issues that are affecting our health. So this issue of not feeling beautiful, not feeling accepted, not feeling valuable simply because of our skin color, then you know it gets into affecting our health.
0: Absolutely. And and Dr. Sonia, she says we need to talk to our girls while they are young about self-esteem. We need to let them know how beautiful they are no matter what their color. And and that's what I love about, you know, of course with Blessed Girls and you know and your initiative is that we are now you know, having these conversations and we're talking about it. We're not acting like it doesn't matter because it right. does or that, you know, like you said, it's like just the same as racism. Like this is the, the, the they said the daughter or the sister too. Uh, we, we have to talk about that because it is certainly happening um, and it affects our girls in so many ways. I think I saw a statistic that a, a dark skinned girl is three times more likely to be suspended in school than a light skinned girl. Right? I mean, that's just, what? Like this even goes to, you know, so we're talking about grade school, right? How they're even treated in the educational system, right? That they are penalized and disciplined differently than someone who is of a lighter shade of skin.
1: Yes. And seven out of 10 dark-skinned girls feel that their appearance does not measure up, that they are not beautiful. Seven out of 10. So these girls are walking around feeling like, they are not worthy, they are not beautiful. And that, many times that causes you to act out in certain ways. Exactly. And, you know, we, deal with, um, we deal with the stereotypes. Yeah. We deal with, you know, our, you know, okay, so if I speak up, as a dark-skinned woman, I'm considered angry and aggressive. But if I don't speak up, then people walk all over me. So I, now that since I am this angry black woman, because I'm dark skinned, then okay, I'm gonna be the angry, I'm gonna be the angry black woman. Absolutely. I will that that per
0: self-portrayal. Okay, then that's what you want me to be, then that's what I'm going to be. And and, and, and we see that of course, you know, with working with girls with blessed girls. And the thing is then we put them, we label them as that. You know, so and, and, and even when you talked about the over sexualization and you know so the clothes that they wear and the way that they think and the thing you know But there's something deeper going on there, right? And this is one thing that we can even empower our audience to know and understand what colorism is and what really might be what underneath the surface, you know, of what you see and how this young lady may be acting out and responding. But this is something that we need to address and help her and support her, if you will.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We've got to really begin to recognize it. And we've got to really begin to see the issue and the hurt and trauma of it. So that we can really address it, and like I say, help these girls, in particularly, not to become women who deal with it for decades, dealing with decades of hurt and trauma.
0: Wow, and, and that that that's good, and I like the way you say it. it's it is traumatic, like we said, you know, we know PTSD, but we don't it 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 it. That's a large umbrella, right? You know that yeah. we, we all are walking around with these various traumas, and so I know it was is also in healthcare, right? That uh, uh, of course we know just a woman of color, but even the shade of her skin, right? That they'll like take her her uh, her pain seriously or they take whatever the symptoms that she's saying right so she'll get pain medicine or even be considered for different diagnostic testing based upon her color of her skin yes
1: Yes, it's crazy it's crazy because i'm a dark-skinned woman you you know you assume that first of all we're labeled as being strong we're supposed to be strong so we're not really in pain you're really not in pain because you're the strong black woman Yeah, You know, especially the darker your skin, you know, the stronger you are, this dark skin makes me a strong woman. And so in many instances, we are suffering under that syndrome. And like you say, our, our pain, our physical pain and our emotional pain is not being recognized. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, this this is this, this is good, and this is why I was really excited about this topic, uh, and 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 I feel like it it can lead and guide us, you know, both of us as we continue this journey of helping and supporting, you know, girls around the world uh, to really bring this to the forefront, to have these discussions, but then also create solutions and support systems, and you know, so again, to uh, mitigate the trauma, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and yeah. in that regard. So this is why th- this is really great, and I think it was another another one and of even dealing with our criminal justice system and even the sentences right I believe there were you know much more stringent so we talk about school but then you know if just something as simple as shoplifting or what have you the sentence was like a the difference levels higher than if a person was more of a fair skin how could that be I don't know I don't
1: know, I don't know. It's so crazy. And I think that I think that a lot of that is because one of the things and, and one of the things that I think is so important is that we understand how we're being portrayed in the media. And I think we have to understand that many times the way that we're being portrayed on film, the way that we're being portrayed on television is sending out a message that you know, lots of times when you have the criminal in the movies, it's usually a dark-skinned black man. Usually the hooker in the movies a lot of time is the dark-skinned black woman. And so when the media is perpetrating us this way, then that's the way society is receiving images of us. And that's how they're looking at us. And even when you look at, when we talk about so many of the things that have happened in this country, the violence against Our men and against our women, the majority of them were darker skinned. When we look at George Floyd, when we look at Breonna Taylor, when we look at Sandra Bland, when we look at some of these people, Ahmaud Arbery, they were darker skinned people. And so many times we're not even really ready to see that or acknowledge that. Also, but so many ways that we are portrayed. When you see when you see some of the images that come up on television when they're looking for the criminals, you know they're dark skinned. Because that is how we're being portrayed to society. And of course, it goes back to slavery too. I mean, we have to talk about the fact that a lot of this goes back to slavery and how we were conditioned in slavery and how we were treated in slavery. And you had the field people and you had the house people and the house people were treated better. They were typically lighter skinned. But at the end of the day, they were still all slaves. However, there still was a difference in how they were perceived and how they were treated. So when you get to the criminal justice system, they're seeing all these, they've been, they've been conditioned from the media, they've been conditioned from old slave mentality that the darker skinned were the ones who were not valuable and they were the criminals and they're the thugs and they're, they're the bad people.
0: Yeah. yeah and 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 that's the thing it's, it's so subliminal yes. you know and we don't recognize that this carries over and it spills into so many areas i even heard just statistics about marriage that a darker skinned woman is less likely to be married than a light-skinned woman. Right? I mean, even with real estate, they were saying like to own a home. I mean, there's just so many things. And this is real. Harvard-based statistics research is being done, and not enough, I'm sure. Um, but this is why this is such a just a profound, you know, time for us to really, you know, put this out there. Let's be about it. Let's, like you said, deliverance you know can take place when we speak our truth you know we no longer hide this under the rug let's talk about it even when we talked about last month i did a whole month was dealing with um, mental health in in the minority community you know and there's no way to escape that like we have to talk about it just as we talked about diabetes hypertension you know all these other awarenesses we have to talk about colorism we have to talk about the reality of this in our community And, and i thank you so much for that
1: Thank you. And I think one of the other things, too, is that because of, of the way that we are looked at and portrayed, we're not seen as. And, you know, I say to people all the time who say to me, when people start talking about how poor black people are and how uneducated we are, and I say to them, how, where, where are you getting that from and what black people are you talking about? I need to know what black people, because we get into this whole thing of putting everybody in the same basket, okay, and what what black people are you talking about because we have black doctors, we have black lawyers, we have black CEOs, we have black entrepreneurs, not everybody that's it, not all of the successful people are bouncing ball or singing, and I'm a musician and a, you know and a songwriter, but I'm still saying that you know there are there are black neuroscientists. There are, I mean, you know, you cannot say that black people are not intelligent, that black people have, you know, that we have no value, that all of us, because, you know, again, we'll point out that I believe the the, um, statistic is still the same, that there are more white people on welfare than there are black. So, you know, where are you when you start talking about welfare and you start talking about all these other systems, the images that come up are black people. And, you know, we've got to get to a place where we start to really speak out about that and really start to, especially like I say with our children, no, here's a, here's a picture of a black doctor. I need you to know about the black doctors. I need you to know your history. I need you to know about black inventors. I need you to know about, I mean... We had a black president, hello people. We had a black president and a black first lady, a black family was in the White House. We're getting ready to have, and I'm speaking it, we're getting ready to have a black female vice president. So, I mean, we've got to get to the place where we begin to say that, no, this is who we are. Yes, some of us may be poor, but we're not all poor it's not like all white people are poor yes there are some black people who have committed crimes there are white people who have committed crimes and every other race that have committed crimes but we've got to begin to you know make sure that who we're who we are giving our who we're telling our children we are is who we really are and that that's a very small percentage of the population but that we come from kings and queens and they've got to begin to know that that you are royalty. You come from kings and queens. That your people were kings and queens in Africa and Europe. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm on my rant now. Come <laughs> on, oh, no, no, listen. Yeah, this sure. is what we need. Yes,
0: this is what it's about, and it's not being told. That's that's our nav- That's the real narrative that we we really very rarely hear, and that's what we're passionate about changing you know uh that narrative and what what kids see and believe um and 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 it's it's pretty deep because one thing and the next thing i'm even going to work on is it's our music right i mean you're talking about poetry and spoken word i know i I don't want to get you started but i want to get you started Okay. Oh my goodness, because what are we saying? What, you know, as far as our girls and what are our young men saying about our women? It, it just it, It's just such this domino effect that, you know, we really should be screaming, you know, from the top of the roof, like, this is enough, it's not acceptable. But again, it's all about the systemic, the system, you know, that'll put this out there. This is what pop culture says. These are the top record sales, really? Like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what, what and, and of course, your your area of expertise when we talk about music and spoken word and things that know. Uh, and, and there are artists that speak positivity, right? But yeah. you'll never know about them. You got to dig deep, research to find them that way here yeah. because they're not putted in mainstream, if you will. So right. let, let's um, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about that, then I definitely want to go into the
1: creativity and, and and your music and spoken word because it, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with music and one of the things that i find with music music is it really it really grabs people on another level music does music i know for me music it, it touches your soul it touches your spirit and you have to be very mindful of what you're listening to what you're allowing your children to listen to because it gets into your subconscious those words get into your subconscious. And many times even a beat can affect you in a way that you're not even listening to the words, but those words are getting into your subconscious. So what are you listening to? What are you feeding your subconscious conscious when you are listening to music and certain words? And we have to be so aware of it And aware of now, see, I come from a different I come from a different era where, you know, my parents monitored what we listened to. I mean, there were certain television shows. If I told you some of the television shows I wasn't allowed to watch, you would really know how old I really am. But um, there were certain television shows that we were not allowed to watch. And my dad monitored it. He would come. We I see I came up in the days of, you know, you didn't close your room door. There was no closing the room door. You didn't have any privacy. You living in my house, there's no privacy. I don't know what parents do now. I I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't I don't have any natural children, so I didn't raise any children. But you know, there was this whole open door thing. You in my house, okay, there's no closed door. What are you doing in there? And my father would come in and we better not be watching what he told us we could not watch. So I think that we have to get back to and I'm like I say I'm not a parent, I haven't raised any children. I can only imagine how difficult it is in this day and time to be raising children and trying to monitor everything that they're doing between school and their friends and all this other stuff that is going on, but I think we have to instill in our children a, that that sense of pride Mm-hmm. And that, you know, somebody calling you a, a B and a H is not who you are. And that's not stuff you should be listening to because that's not who you are. And them calling you that, okay, means that they don't value you. Yeah. These These men that are out here talking about you being a B and a H and all the other stuff, they say they aren't valuing you. Right, right, right. They aren't valuing you
0: and calling ourselves that you know like so i mean
1: some of the top songs right
0: now on the chart or whatever what we talking about you you know this beat is whole. i mean listen that's a whole nother story <laughs> that's a whole nother story You have to come back
1: to that one but go ahead, go ahead. It's so crazy to me because my friends we never talked to each other like that yeah. but again i'm a different generation i'm old no no no, no. but yeah, but it's, other bees and stuff we didn't do that And, but
0: you know what, it's not even about old, you know, because I mean, my mom is on here and, and the thing is, I remember her saying, you know, when we had just the headphones and what you had the Walkmans, you know, or listen, you ain't going to bed listening to that. You know, it was a smooth R&B at night. Mm -mm, Turn that off. You will not be going to sleep listening to that to, I want to rock with your baby. (laughs)
1: That was not an option.
0: And that's nothing compared to the music right now. So I know exactly what you're saying, but yeah. just those safeguards, you know, were put up. And I get it. I'm a mom. I have teenage boys. And you know, I got one that, you know, is more RB and classical, like he he knows. And then I got another one. Boy, he's about as ratchet as they come. And I'm like, what they just said? Like, what? Did you hear that? Like, you know, do you think this is acceptable? So to even have those conversations and that dialogue, even with you know, the men now, it was something I want to say, is it natural? She said, did you see this comment? She said, media frames people's perception of us. And pictures of Africa rarely show the major cities, only jungles and the slums. Right. And that was what we were even talking about, you know, just how the media it's so subliminal you know we just we really don't get it so again what the music is saying what the, the various images and how that filters into our educational system our justice system our healthcare system right every way of life right these things these images the media itself um really plays a part in, in everything
1: and how it affects our daily living it does even in print you know even when we look at print and we're looking at fashion magazines and things. The few black women we may see, they don't. They don't. You know, they're mostly not dark skin. And well, there are some now, though. There yeah. are um, some some beautiful black models. I mean, they are black and they are beautiful. Oh right, my god. Right. Right.
0: And and I think that is so important even for us and everyone even watching to, you know, a lot of times I'll just circulate the images just so girls could see, yes. just so they can know like, wow, that's beauty. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's not... You know, uh Cardi B or little kid like no, this this is beauty right here. You know, it's not blonde hair and you know, plastic, this and that. No, a dark skinned woman in her natural state, hair even short and that that is beautiful. Because again, like I think it was Nettie was saying, the images are not as well publicized and promoted so if we even all you know again as a solution and I always charge the audience to do that you know is when you see these images or even look for them and share those you know on your social media on your platforms right make sure that that girls and and just even us as women like I feel good when I see another sister that look like me you know (laughs) owning it and operating in her beauty and her brilliance right it's liberating even to me so I think the more that we all you know take that on and help to promote it it means a lot
1: yes absolutely absolutely and we have to be the ones that define what our beauty is we cannot allow the media and wait wait
0: wait all right doc
1: hold on we say that again for the now you know we go fast but make sure they get this say this <laughs> we have to be the ones who define what beauty is for us we're not going to continue to allow the media and america and everybody else to define what is beauty for the black woman we Mm. come in all shapes all sizes all colors all hues and we are all beautiful and so we have to begin to say this is what beauty is this is the beauty of the black woman and this is the beauty that i need for you all to come up to we're here well we need to be let me say we need to be here okay but we need to be you know this is this is the standard of beauty and i'm telling you what the standard of beauty is for the black woman. And we have to start demanding that we see more of all beauty of the black woman in all media. You know, I mean we get we have Viola Davis, we have Lupita we have Angela Bassett, and we need to begin to see more and more and more of that. As well as our light skinned sisters, because you know black actresses as it is, you know, they're they're having, you know, they have issues getting parts and all kinds of things, which is a whole nother story. But you know, it, it needs to be a place where yes, this is beauty and this is also beauty. It's all beauty. And so we need you America to understand that this is the beauty of the black woman. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a mystery sometimes mm-hmm. in some ways because we are all shades. Yes. And we all are different, but we all are beautiful. And I think that, you know, it's it's still that issue of tearing us apart. Yeah. To the place where, you know, we don't, you know, the light skin doesn't like the dark skin, the dark skin doesn't like the, the, the light skin. And that came from slavery. And then, you know, the continued separation of the people, because when you can separate the people, you can dominate them and you can control them. But if we can all come together and all celebrate one another's beauty, then there's no stopping us. And this, I'm telling you, this is the decade of the woman, and it's definitely the decade of the black woman
0: yes yes that is it that is it and 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 that's the thing it's almost like uh was it harriet tubman she was saying you know she could have freed more people that they would have known you know that they were free and i feel like that's why we have to uh, definitely step it up. We have to be more vigilant, more vocal, more bold, you know what, in our truth and defining our beauty. You know, it's not just in my home. That's why, you know, we're here on this platform. You have your show on is a Sunday evening. It's like we have, we need more of this, right? So that they can know that this is what's happening, you know, and this is our truth. And the one thing I want you to do is talk about more about your initiative and the things that you actually do through the program and the workshop Can you share a bit of that
1: with us? Yes. Um, So I Am the Color of Beautiful is a global spoken word initiative. And we are redefining the standard of beauty for women of color. Our focus is on eradicating colorism in communities of color. So what we do is we have workshops. We have um, spoken word. I am actually, I do spoken word workshops where I have women come and talk about the color of their skin. One of the questions, it was such a, profound question that Malcolm X asked in one of his speeches, who taught you to hate the color of your skin? And so we look at that and we look at who taught you to hate the color of your skin? Where did that come from? I think it's very important that we understand where it came from. For some women, it came from their family. It came from mothers. It came from grandmothers. It came from aunts. It came from fathers. It came from cousins. So we've got to know where that came from and be able to address it. And we address it through writing. And then we go through the process of the writing and giving them the tools to be able to perform if they so choose, which is, I think you know, theater is very cathargic. And so if they can come and they can perform it and have an opportunity to speak their truth about how they come into being beautiful and seeing themselves as beautiful. We also do panel discussions. And in those panel discussions, we have panelists who come and talk about colorism and talk about, some of them share their personal experiences. And we have, we talk to people and have audience feedback and talk back. And the last one that we had in February was just amazing. And um, one of the things that we realized one of the panelists said to me, we had it um, at one of the local churches here. And he said to me, you know, We need to have prayer because there's so much hurt in this room. And there was, there's so much hurt from what people have said, have been told in their childhood. And I'm talking about women who are in their 40s and 50s who are reliving the pain of something that was said to them in their childhood about their skin color. So we address all of these things. And right now I actually have, a love the Skin You're In campaign, which we're raising money, To be able to bring this to girls 12 to 18, because one of the things that I think is so very important is that we begin to address this issue with our girls while they're young. So they don't spend, like I said before, decades with this hurt and trauma and get into their 40s and 50s and have been carrying around this pain for so long. So we want to start addressing it. Girls 12 to 18, we're doing the Love the Skin You're In campaign. And I'm going to be online. I'm going to be doing, it's a 10-week program. It's a 10-week workshop where we work through the issues about who taught them to hate the color of their skin. We help them to write about it, to to get spoken word pieces. And then they will, they're probably going to tape them because of COVID. Uh, We're not going to be in buildings and things, but we'll probably tape them and have them uploaded. To the website, so people will be able to hear them and be able to share and encourage them about being beautiful and the beautiful of their skin. So, the color of beautiful is doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of work to be done, right. I'm sure. <laughs> a
0: lot of work to be done. And then and, and it's interesting, you know, you just speaking about the hurt of even women. You know, like it just says, of course we can, you know, deal with our young ladies, but that's even, you know, with blessed girls and our mentorship and leadership, and even with moms on a mission, knowing that that hurt and that trauma, if we don't address it, we will be 50, 60, 70 years old, you know, and beyond still dealing and living in that and then carrying on like almost, you know, so we will do it subconsciously, even in our own families. Yes. No, we, we still carry that. And then we subconsciously do the same thing. And we may tend to the, the light-skinned grandkids, or great-grands, and nieces and nephews. You think that's more beautiful than your, you know, darker-skinned grandchildren. You know, this happens. It does.
1: <laughs> you know, this, this is this is It real. does. And I hear women tell stories of how, you know, their mothers would say if they were brown-skinned, their mothers would tell them, don't, you know, don't date or marry a, a black, a, a dark-skinned man. You need to have some light-skinned children so it's you know it's it still is going on and it still is very prevalent in our families it's happening in our families as well as outside of our families because anytime you know a grandmother can tell a child that you know you would be prettier if you were light-skinned who says that to their grandchild who does that
0: you know, I mean, that's a, that's a, that she truly believes that. And she's, that's her own trauma. That's her own self, right? If that's, so true. that's her experience. That's her perspective. That's her truth. That's true. And, and so no one ever really told her different. And that's what I'm saying. Then it's carried down. It's, yeah. You know, this whole trickle down years after generation after generation that that is what is carried down and perpetrated throughout our, our generations. And that has got to stop. That has got to stop. that has got to stop. So I thank you so much for that. I thank you so much for that. So let's talk more about the spoken word. You know, of course, the the one of the four C's is creativity. And how important is it for us to develop the creativity, of course, of our young girls? Uh, what, What do you see, you know, dealing with spoken word and music? How do you see like transformation happening? How can we use this developing the creativity in our young black girls today? And how can that help and be a solution for what we're dealing with?
1: Well, i think the arts are so important i think it's so important and you know it it, many times it hurts me so much to know that arts funding is cut because the arts are so important there's so much creativity and so much that you know not everybody's going to be a scientist Not everybody's going to be an accountant not everybody's going to be you know um whatever else it is those other things outside of the arts some of us are creatives and we were meant to bring creativity to the world, we're meant to write, we're meant to do spoken word, we're meant to act, we're meant to paint. I got two beautiful paintings from a young artist today, Karina Brown, two beautiful paintings. And I'm telling you, it made me realize that even, that the I Am The Color of Beautiful the love of the skin you're in even has to go beyond the spoken word. It has to go into other art forms. It has to go into painting. It has to go into dance. It has to go into photography because there's so many different ways that we express ourselves and that we come to see and know the beauty of who we are. And the spoken word for me and theater is just an amazing way to bring people words that can move their spirits and that can help them to feel, we have the opportunity to give them something that you've written. When you've written something and you feel good about it and it makes you feel good about yourself and you can give that to an audience, you can stand on a stage and give that to an audience and it be received and know that you have really helped someone. Someone identifies with you. That's one of the things that I love about theater that I think that film and television miss sometimes is you can still feel it, but the but the the live audience, the 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 feedback that you can get live, and that it can mean so much to an artist when you get feedback, and for women and girls to be able to write their truth and be able to perform that, it it can mean. I can't even begin to tell you really what that feeling is like and how much it can mean and bring deliverance to not only the writer and performer but also to the audience
0: yeah that 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 that's so powerful and, and I love it because you know when you experience and you see it you know you see that transformation right and you give the girls the youth that opportunity to be themselves and I like you said the creatives I love them because they usually most of the times they they they're thriving they they they're begging for a place where they can be you know where they can use these these gifts and these talents and these crazy ideas right where they're going to be accepted And that's so important for us, again, as the older generation, as leaders, to create an environment where creatives can can thrive, they can be, they can be free and and just really, um, you know, be vibrant and show their brilliance. So this is why this is so, so important that we, you know, we have these programs and we have these opportunities for these girls to, to just be beautiful, be who they are, embrace that. It's incredible
1: yes yes and it's so important to encourage creatives because many times you know what what who's watching it's so important to
0: encourage creatives and and i and i have to say that because we need to just let let that settle a bit right (laughs) because you know and i always try to give tasks even for our audience because we all know who the creatives are but you don't really know you know what i mean because they might look different they might feel different they might do things different but it is so important for us to encourage the creatives
1: in our life in our circle right so please type that in there guys type that in there but go go ahead It it is so important and i know that many times parents want their children to have success they want them to be able to take care of themselves mm-hmm. and have success. And many times creatives are not encouraged to mm-hmm. pursue that creative field because we bought into the whole starving artist mm-hmm. mentality. You know, okay, you know, you, you want to be a dancer, but there's no money in that. How are you going to take care of yourself? Yeah. But you've got to be able to trust and, and, and encourage that creative that There is, you know, there is a way to dance and and make money. There is a way to be who you are authentically and be able to take care of yourself. So we've got to be able to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a backup plan, I guess. (laughs) I don't care about the backup plan either because sometimes, you know, but if that's what, if this is who you really are, I think that parents have to help their children embrace that help them embrace your creatives you know not everybody's like i said not everybody's going to be the tech person yes. they're not an it i went through it thing and it wasn't nothing to do with my parents it was me yes. i went through the whole it thing and hated it because that's not who i am yes, yes. you know i spent money <laughs> doing the it thing and that's not who i am i am a creative i'm a writer i'm a performer i'm a songwriter i'm a, you know this is who i am and so we've got to be able to show up authentically. Who we are, so that you're not living, you know. I tell young people all the time don't be in your 30s, 40s, 50s talking about watercolors, what shoulda. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely, And going for the money or doing what your parents told you to do or, you know, the job that they said, you know, was the right fit. And and, and, and I know even, even as we travel, even globally, you'll see, especially girls, they're taught to be nurses and teachers. I don't know if you've experienced that, you know, um, and, and I'm like, oh, the whole class, all y'all want to be the same thing? And then as I talk and I'm like, oh no, I do love poetry. I like dance. Okay, now we talk. Where are my creatives at? Because I know y'all in the room. Like you know, so let you can be free to be that. Let's talk about that. Let's create an environment where you can be free. Let's tap into that. You know those hidden treasures, not just what is quote unquote. You know that good job, that good career, but and so I love that to encourage the creatives in our lives. That's good. Yeah,
1: and it can be hard. I understand for parents that it can be hard because you're concerned that your child will not be able to support themselves. But trust that you know. They will be able to, if it's, if they're really gifted and they're really passionate and willing to do the work, they've got to be willing to do the work, True, because work, like everything else is, it's work, True. but there is a world of, you know, opportunity for creatives, and we've got to begin to embrace that and encourage them, yeah. that yes, you yeah. can be the next Mindy Copeland. <laughs> yes, you yes. said, yes, yes, yes. Copeland. Yes, you yes, said. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. That are- wants to be beyonce okay you can be okay let me say now everybody wants to be beyonce okay i love it i love it you can be um the jazz pianist you can be you can be the spoken word artist you can be the actress you can be any of those things yeah you got to put in the work
0: Oh, for sure, and th- and that's, of course work ethic and all of that it definitely goes along with it, uh, but that support and that encouragement will certainly help you know the next generation to help us to to carry this out. You know, there was something I was thinking about when you were speaking is it is it Lizzo? is it Lizzo? I hope if my sister's on here. she'll know uh, she plays the piano and i mean the 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 flute and the piccolo. She 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 does spoken word and that too. Uh I can't think your, uh, somebody who's younger. I too, you know, we just you know we had a different generation, but I think it's Lizzo, Jamala. If you're on here, we're my younger crew. Y'all know her, right? <laughs> Y'all, you know her. <laughs> but um, the same thing, she used to play the piccolo and the flute in the band, right? And I mean, so she was an amazing artist, but she even went back to that. So now she's like a pop artist and things like that. And she's a big girl too, so she embraces her bees. Okay, I didn't know her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But but that whole thing of again of music and, and that talent, you know, and how it helped her musically in that regard. So it's just so important. So I know, so you being a girl from Philly, right? I'm sure you've dealt with colorism, you know, because you and I, we like you say it, it speaks before we even open our mouth. People have already put us in, you know, a certain they've already think they know who we are based upon what they see. <laughs> yes. And you so you being a classically trained pianist. Right. Um, and then with spoken word like how did you develop that? And were you was it just the environment that you were in? What were some of the challenges? If you could just speak just a little bit of your your backstory and and the young Dr. Karen Moore and, and
1: how you got to where you are today. Well, it's interesting about the piano. I don't, you know, I don't play so much anymore, which is which my mother would just <laughs> freak out. <laughs> because, you know, I um I started with classical piano. I took piano lessons and Um, I had parents, my parents were in their thirties, actually, they were older. My parents were in their thirties when I was born, my sister and I were born. And, um, so my parents were, you know, old school in the sense that, um, I asked for the piano. So, you know, you know how kids are you want to do something. And then two years later, you don't. And my mother was like, oh yes, you do because you asked for it, and so you were going to play this piano, which I'm so grateful for, because it opened up a whole world. I love classical music. I tell people I love a little bit of everything from Prince to Puccini. I love music, all kinds of music. I I love music. And so even though I don't play anymore, I'm doing more songwriting, actually. I'm doing more songwriting now. But my journey was actually, I am, it took me a while to really, tap into who I authentically am and to really appreciate my talents and my gifts. I'm gonna say it took me like, wow, 40 years, really. It took me 40 years and that's why I'm so adamant about telling young people, you know, don't be in your 40s and 50s talking about woulda, coulda, shoulda because it happened later in life for me. Yeah really get to the place where I am okay with being a creative. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with being authentically
0: yes.
1: sharing the creative. Yes. It took me a long time to get there though. Yes. You know, it wasn't something that and you know I don't I don't I don't know why I felt that I could not be that. Um, I think that as far as my, my colorism story, my colorism issue happened when I was young. I wanted to have lunch with this boy and he told me I was too dark. Mm. I didn't get what that had had to do with anything as as a young girl. I mean, for what? I'm dark. What does that have to do with anything? But I came to realize it had everything to do with it because as you grow up, you know, and you're, um, you know, you're not the first to ask to the dance. You know, you're not, you're not the first to be picked for Mm -hmm. plays and things like that. So I think that that might've even, now that I'm thinking about that, that might've even had something to do with my stepping away and not embracing that earlier in my life that it took me into my 40s before I really embraced this talented writer, producer, songwriter all of it now you know yes i love it it. 40 some years to do that so you know no, that's good. And that's wrong. That, that Anybody listening, don't let it take that long. Don't.
0: That's And that's why I'm so crazy and passionate about these types of discussions and conversations and even blessed girls itself. Because the same thing, like, you know what? I went through all of this time, right? To get to the point where I can be my authentic self. Where I can embrace it. Be bold. Be you. Because this is who I am. You know what? You like it, don't like it. That's really not my concern. Right. <laughs> so, so the whole point... You know the premise of blessed girls was let me go back if i can go back and find that 12 year old me and i can love her and i can encourage her and like you said and encourage the creatives and inspire them then my job is done you know yes. what I mean? like that's yes. what it's yes. about that's the mission you know in that regard when we deal with our youth so I, I i totally totally get that so i i just enjoy the conversation and i know that listen we're going to be doing more i know we're going to start to develop how we can Work with you in collaboration with blessed girls, or do something virtually. Start some some various activities, or what have you. So there, I know there will be more of Dr. Renata and Dr. Karen. We definitely are. Uh, you'll see more of us. Be be clear of that. <laughs> that is for sure. That is for sure. So one any any last closing thoughts uh, for the audience before we close tonight?
1: Um, I like I say, I just want to um, really emphasize to. Encourage your creatives, yes. you know, let these girls and, and, and boys be who they authentically are. And, you know, you can sit, consider yourself blessed if you've given birth to a creative. Yes, That is a true blessing that you brought a creative into this world yes yes
0: yes yes well so listen I, I thank you dr karen moore for being here tonight and of course you with uh, your creative bad beautiful queen self and, and being the spoken word woman that you are i had to to end and i'm sure you'd know this this poem and this quote by marion williamson and, and the question is our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure and right. it is our light not our darkness that most frighten us and we ask ourselves who am i to be brilliant gorgeous talented and fabulous when i say the question is who are you not to be <laughs> So listen, this is Dr. A signing off Real Talk, Real Solutions. And you know what I say, be bold, be you, and be blessed, girl. Love you so much for watching. Make sure you like, comment, and share, and let's keep the movement going. Real Talk, Real Solutions. Be blessed, guys.